On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. You might have seen some reports this week about the nature, if there was in fact such an arrangement, of a some sort of arrangement between the Irish state and the RAF. Now, it's been very difficult to give you a full comprehensive rundown of what's involved in that because ministers have been quite circumspect as to what exactly is contained in it. But it does come at a very interesting time when we're about to have a public consultation about the future of Ireland's military policy and whether it is sustainable uh, to be neutral. Uh, Professor John O'Brennan is the Professor of European Integration at Maynooth University. He's with us on the line. Uh, John, first of all, what did you make of those reports about uh, there being some kind of a defence arrangement or some kind of overflight arrangement for the RAF and the fact that the government couldn't tell us what was entailed? Well, I wasn't a bit surprised at the news because... I've thought for a long time that we maintain this incredible pretense that we are militarily neutral, when in reality, we've never been neutral. If we go back to World War II, there was very extensive intelligence cooperation with the British in particular, repatriation of airmen when their uh, planes came down, sailors were rescued again when uh, their ships went down, huge number of Irish people recruited to work in English factories on munitions and other things. So right from the beginning, Gavin, I think we've had this sort of mythology that built up around neutrality when the reality was, in fact, that we were always part of the Western camp, virtually from independence onwards. Mm. Sean Lamass in the 1950s, very open in favouring NATO membership. Sean McBride is one of the Irish figures, I guess, most closely associated with neutrality. He was willing to uh, give up neutrality if the Americans could persuade the British to give up Northern Ireland, to return it to the Republic. So mm-hmm. if we look at a lot of the key figures involved and what they've been doing, the 1952 agreement that's been in the news, it shouldn't surprise us. And if the RAF has been patrolling our skies since that time, how on earth can we claim that we're neutral? We're essentially an, an, a, a proxy of NATO. So th- so does that mean then that, that if we're trying to stand up and we're having this discussion around whether we should move from the current stance of military neutrality, your argument will be that actually we've, we've given that up a long time ago if, if it's the case that the British Air Force are actually the ones patrolling our skies? Absolutely. And I can tell you that when the Russians look west at Europe, they certainly don't see us as neutrals. And this is the reason I think they keep probing our defense capacities. They know that we have all these vulnerabilities. They know also that we are a critical conduit for data and information that goes from the United States to Europe and back in the other direction. So the attention that they've given to our subsea cables, I think, is absolutely consistent with the way they look at the world. And if we get to a point, and I think we may well get there later this year, where the Russians are in grave threat of losing the war in Ukraine, Putin might well decide to lash out in any number of ways. And the simple truth is we are enormously vulnerable where that communications is concerned. Think so back you, you to think that might be some of the ways that, that a defeated or a besmirched Putin might lash out, he might sort of, as some sort of reprisal, try to take out transatlantic internet cables? That's something you think is plausible? Absolutely. And I think it points to something else that's going on globally, which is the rapidly changing nature of security. We often kind of fall back on this monodimensional view of neutrality as being about armies and physical security. But actually, the 
world's critical infrastructure is now all powered by data. And those subsea cables are absolutely critical. And Ireland is literally at the center of this world, this communications world. And because we have many of these vulnerabilities, I think our partners kind of uh, in the European Union, for example, worry about us. Think back to the um, cyber attack on the HSE a couple mm. of years ago. It cost us 130 million euros to uh, repair the damage done. We could be talking multiples of that if we were to see attacks on utility infrastructure on gas, electricity and other things. So, because I was going to make the observation that if, if you don't think that we're truly neutral anyway, because we are effectively part of a, a Western defence bloc, whether we like it or not, then one can make the argument that any kind of Russian actions off the Irish coast, rather than just scoping out our weaknesses, are, are kind of moot because anything that they do will be intercepted either by the Americans on one side or, or or by the Brits on the other. Are you saying that there still would be some logic or that they could exploit our defence weaknesses anyway and pull something off without either the Americans or the British coming on board and, and intercepting it? No, I think almost inevitably in those circumstances... Um, we would see the Americans and the British and others come to our defence. And that's in, my in point. In that point then, but the, have we not then hit the sweet spot where actually we, we are able to, like it might not be the moral thing to do, but that we are well defended on both sides and that actually we can get away without having to put the capital into our defence system because we are looked after no matter what? No, I would say, actually, I draw the opposite conclusion. And if you look at, for example, the Sunday Business Post today and the front page, there's a major report about all the incredible vulnerabilities Mm. of Ireland in respect to vital infrastructure. Um, So this is as much about our own capacity to defend ourselves. And this is why I really welcome the consultative forum, because people are focusing on military neutrality when actually we should be focusing on how our defence infrastructure was allowed to atrophy over time. And this has exposed us in multiple ways to the kind of threats that you and I have been talking about. Uh, Finally and briefly, John, do do you think it is possible or tenable to increase investment in spending and to you know be able to take better command of our own airspace and our waters without uh, sacrificing the military neutrality that we in principle think that we have yeah i mean we've been a member of nato's partnership for peace since 1999 and the critical thing about that is it allows the irish government to choose its priorities about where it might cooperate usefully with NATO countries. Uh, And that's really important in terms of defense training, which helps our international peacekeeping uh, efforts and things of that kind. Um, So the the proposal to join this new NATO critical undersea coordination um, cell, I think that's absolutely consistent with what we've done in the past. But in a context where we're going to have 65 billion euros in budget surplus, up over the next three years or so, Mm. we should certainly be arguing for critical spending on infrastructure to defend ourselves from these kind of attacks. So what the government has planned, which is about 1.2 billion in extra spending over the next five Mm. years, we should be spending multiples of that on protecting our own vital infrastructure. And in doing that, we'll be contributing to the security of the continent as well. All right. Uh, Professor John O'Brien, thank you for joining us this lunchtime. That's John O'Brien, who is a professor of European politics and the Jean Monnet Chair of European Integration uh, at Maynooth University. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.